0: Welcome back to Millennial Ag, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today. Your co-hosts, Valine Likely and Catherine speech
1: Listeners, we are rolling into episode 47 this week. It is heading into the first week of August, and I'm, I don't know where 2020 is going, and I feel like this is the same thing we keep saying every episode, <laughs> but here we are um, at the last part of July, first part of August, and we're really excited for our guests this week. Um, We've told you that we will not shy away from hard conversations or conversations with people that have differing opinions than us. We've had one of our listeners uh, reach out to us continuously, very respectfully, and, and share her points of view on veganism and animal rights, animal activists, and so we decided to have her on the episode to kind of talk about her viewpoints, where she's coming from, and maybe see if we can find middle ground or at least have conversation and show that we can have these hard conversations across the board um, with people that don't have similar viewpoints, but find something that we can agree on and how can we make our industry better um, by having these hard, difficult conversations. So, Catherine, you know our guests and I will let you do the introduction.
0: Yeah, thanks, Val. And, and I just want to reiterate exactly what Val said um, our guest has been incredibly respectful in reaching out to us, and we have told you several times, and I think, you know, definitely in the early part of the year that we weren't shying away from tough topics, and uh, it was definitely our intent to have a vegan on the show, and um, and one came to us in the most delightful way. So, <laughs> listeners, I would love to introduce you to my friend Emily Miller. Um, <clears throat> Emily and I actually went to high school together. We grew up in in a small town in Utah and um, Emily was involved in everything. I'm pretty sure every single club there was in every single sport. Um, but how I know her best was through FFA and she just jumped straight in. Um, she became an officer. <clears throat> she tried every contest and most especially she actually showed my cows growing up. Um, cows from my own dairy and we went to state fair together and she put up with me being a total countered and worked her tail off and we have a lot of really great memories together um so she's here today uh she has taken a different path than i had expected her to in life but it's okay because we all have um but em i'm gonna let you share a little bit more about your background and then we'll dive in
2: yeah um well to be fair Catherine, honestly i took a different turn than i would have expected (laughs) as well um yeah so those were some pretty awesome years of, of my life and then following that I moved to an even smaller town for <laughs> a short period of time where I graduated with seven other people it was huge it was massive <laughs> and then we moved and then I moved um to Louisiana and just kind of a, a little bit of background how I kind of got to where I am I guess I I Moved to Louisiana, and one of the my college professors, um, he was vegan, and he was very, uh, like he was actually teaching anatomy and physiology classes, and and very interested in the health side and and how things react with your body. So he had me um, do read a book called The China Study, and uh, I was really impressed. It was just a lot of research about cancer, diabetes, heart disease, which were kind of some of the top disease killers in the uni- in the U.S. So I was pretty impressed with the research in that book. And so I had kind of become a little bit, well, mostly plant based. So, I mean, we all know donuts aren't healthy, but uh, (laughs) we eat them once in a while anyway. It was kind of like that. Those are plant based. They have wheat in them. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Um, So, anyway, so I was doing that for about four years. And I really only went vegan. And it's really hard to explain kind of. How that shift happened—it was so gradual because it came clear from being wanting to maybe even own a dairy growing up to <laughs> to um, deciding that I I didn't want to I didn't want to do things in that direction anymore, and that was kind of a a, a gradual shift. And the more you kind of get involved with vegans and they kind of talk about their perspectives, I think was kind of how that happened. But um, I watched <clears throat> a video. It was about a 40-second clip, and it's not like I didn't know. Where meat came from <laughs> but um, the, the clip just it was just like it, it was just pictures it wasn't even there was no talking it wasn't any movement it was just um, it had a picture of a hamburger and it said every hamburger had a, it had a caption that said every hamburger has a history and then it went like hamburger and then meat market and then slaughterhouse and then you know what, what its life might have been clear from being a calf and um, yeah it really it really affected me to where. I just, I looked at it differently. Um, instead of seeing just a hamburger, just food to me, it started to kind of become something different. It, it, it felt like, you know, I'm eating an animal and that was a lot, that was a lot harder for me. So um, I became vegetarian and a couple months later, um, about two months later, I ran into a guy named Earthling Ed that posed this kind of big question for me where he said, um, if it's not necessary, uh, how do you justify taking the life of an an animal that does not want to die for your taste or your convenience? And that was just kind of the way he worded it. And I hadn't really thought about that before. And, um, I just realized for me that I couldn't, that my answer was that I couldn't and was kind of vegan from there. Well, thank you for
1: sharing kind of your, your background and your, where, how you navigated, um, through through the channels of ve- to veganism um, and it, it's interesting to me that it's not um an overnight change because everything's so dramatic in the media nowadays that it wasn't just an overnight shift for you it was kind of a combination of you growing on things but what when you were in ffa what was your perception of production animal agriculture at that point
2: well, I think at that point, um i I really loved animals even back then. Um, and to me, it was kind of more of a uh, there are hard parts of this industry a little bit, but you know, ultimately um kind of kind of means to an end though, because you know, we need to eat and um and the enjoyment of animals is really what brought me closer to production agriculture so it's, it's kind of funny that in the end that kind of took me away from it but but ultimately yeah it's just it's and that's why when when anybody i've had activists before that tell me that there's no way that you know that Um, a rancher or you know a dairyman really loves their cows and sends them to slaughter and I'm like no actually that's not at all true because I was there and they do love her cows I specifically remember Catherine trying to feed dippy cones to her cows so (laughs) (laughs) I mean I liked
0: him I thought she might too (laughs) (laughs) so You have laid this out really, really well. Um, it, it's it's very interesting for me to hear this, listeners. This is the first time I've I've actually heard this whole story from Emily. Um, but it, I think, it's very refreshing because, like Valine said, you didn't come to it immediately. You didn't make a snap decision, um, and you know, we could argue the science and, and different perspectives all day long, but that's really, that's not why we're here tonight. Um, because that's been done and it hasn't been very effective. (laughs) Um, but I, I mean, I can, I, I can see where you're coming from and your point about, um, you know, there's, there's hard parts of this industry. You're absolutely right. Um, there's, there's parts of it that, that I don't like that Valine doesn't like that we know, you know, we could either do better or we just, you know, prefer not to think about them, but you know, there's, there's, there's that in every aspect of life, but it's, I guess it's very wise of you to recognize that and then decide that, that you needed to go a different direction.
2: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, just
0: kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you've told me when we've been when you've sent me some messages and stuff, you you've mentioned that you think the vegan viewpoint is pretty misunderstood from production animal ag, and um, you know if I take myself out of production animal ag and look at it from a from a box outside, it's hard to do. But I I would believe that that's the truth. So can you tell us some more what you mean by that specifically? I mean, with regard to to our industry and how how you think we misperceive you or vegans. Um,
2: yeah so I think that um just just based on kind of hearing some of the different podcasts you guys have done and and um I have some other friends that are involved in animal agriculture and some of the things that they've said um I think just what I get is kind of this air of um kind of vegans okay kind of that vegans are are attacking you sort of like specifically trying to come after you and kind of trying to. Um, kind of, yeah, like it's, it's about you trying to ruin you and your industry. And, and then also, um, you know, one of the questions you posed to me once was, uh, or not to me, but I took it to me. Sorry about that. Um, One of the questions that you posed was, you know, where are they going to come at us next? And I think, um at the bottom line, really vegans have three legs to stand on they have the 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 <laughs> environment and the health and and the animals so there's not really much outside I mean I know that's a pretty big <laughs> realm if you break it down all the different things you could create from that but I mean there's nothing there's really nothing far outside of that that they can do much with and I think there are a few there's a handful of of um well, probably a large handful, like a fistful, of of activists that kind of target the individuals and make it about the individuals. We are trying to, you know, you know, dairy people are terrible, and meat eaters are terrible, and um, uh, beef cattle raisers are terrible, and all of that. They, I mean, but mostly it's kind of to me, it's it's a it's more like a, a battle of industries. It's a little bit more like. Um, milk versus goat's milk, you know, it's, it's, they're not really trying to cow's milk versus goat's milk. They're not really trying to, a goat's milk industry isn't like trying to attack the dairy industry and say, what a terrible, you're terrible people for doing your cow's milk. Mostly it's, well, I think we should do it this way. And you're saying, well, I, I'm going to sell my thing. And so it's kind of just competing for the same audience, or at least that's how I think it should be. (laughs) I'm not going to say that's how it always is, but that's how I I would like it to be a little bit more that way, where it wasn't anybody wasn't being attacked for it. It was just kind of more, you know, colliding belief systems. Like, I think we can sit down and have a good conversation because we do have colliding belief systems, but I legitimately care about you and think you're a fantastic person. So we can have a good conversation and it doesn't, I don't have to attack you. (sighs) So you're,
1: you're saying take the person, the personal uh, aspect out of eating a little bit, you know, and, and making it so that it's, we're, we're looking at the product and we're trying to serve the customer with a product they want rather than say, you're not drinking milk, so you must hate me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I think you you kind of um, touched on it. One of the really good aspects um, of one of the podcasts I listened to from the two of you was you were talking about how um, sometimes, you know, activists or the squeaky wheel And I would agree with that, actually, activists are definitely a squeaky wheel. And so alternatively, I think it's actually beneficial even to activists for you guys to kind of be out there and kind of showing the good sides. Because when an activist goes and gets footage, um, it's not going to be the best sides of your industry, and and so it almost turns into somebody who doesn't really understand your industry. And lots of activists won't. They were not part of that. And so they're not going to see the beautiful parts of the industry or you guys bonding with your animals or, um, you know, the the beautiful sides of your industry. So you guys getting out there and educating as well. And I know that's hard because we're all busy, but you guys educating also kind of creates more of like a you know, kind of like a competitive thing for, for the, you know, trying to convince the masses to do it your way instead of, um, you know, hating on each other. That kind of makes sense. All right. So mind blown, like I have never heard it put that way. And
0: I, I'm just, I'm so glad that you're here because really what you just did was separate veganism, which is, you know, a, a way of life and the way that you decide to, to eat from, from activism, which sounds, which, I mean, from your viewpoint and ours is a lot more harsh and a lot more, uh, you know, direct and, um, wants to make what feels like to us a negative impact on our industry. But you just talked about the beautiful parts of our industry and there are plenty of them, you know, um, I mean, I know for both me and Valley, it's, it's a newborn calf, um, you know, me putting a halter on my favorite cow and going into the show ring, uh, you know, helping, helping a cow you know get better from from whatever she was sick from and and there's plenty more out in the wider industry um you know about those things and we do too and i mean I, you know somehow those stories just don't come across very well from our side of the industry but i jeez i am just really appreciative of you being able to to um separate those two things and and also talking about how um you know, ad producers, we view it as a direct attack on us. And I think I speak for both of us when I say that's exactly how it feels. It's scary, you know, because there's, I mean, there's people creeping onto your farm and they're taking footage, like you said, of of stuff that can be made to look really, really awful. And you know that we love our animals and, and are trying to do our best for them and, and for our families and for our livelihood. So yeah, it, it feels very, very personal. And so I guess, you know, my, my, I got a question is, is, is veganism and activism that separated as you just lined out? And and is there a way that we, is, is there a way to depersonalize it on both sides? Um, or is is it just the way that it is that dice have been cast and, and we're all cranky and mean to each other?
1: Well, and there's also, um, I feel like activism or the extreme in production agriculture too on the far side that is attacking the vegans too. And so there's, there's middle ground in there as well. So I'll let you answer Emily, but I just want you, I would like you to, um, your viewpoint on the extreme of production animal agriculture, you know, the, that side of things too.
2: Um, Yeah. So I think I, to answer your question, I think, I think it's, it's possible to kind of find some middle ground and some understanding. I think part of the problem is that you have people on both sides that are really extreme and intense. And I've actually been, you know, the brunt of both of those, surprisingly, (laughs) actually. And it sometimes it's a little bit, it's hard once somebody has really ruffled your feathers to be able to calm down and say, you know what, we can still have, we can have a good conversation, or not even if we can still have a good conversation, but I can move on to the next vegan or activist that's not going to, you know, belittle me, you know. you know, and I—I I don't know. It's really tough because you have those people that are on the far extremes, and I think uh, they are the squeakiest wheels—the far extremes on both sides, both vegans and um, animal agriculture. I—I I, I feel like when I've Started kind of talking about different things, or encouraging people, you know, with some some of the the different things that I've found in the industry, and part of the reasons why why um, why I'm vegan, and trying to educate some of that. Sometimes I get some intense pushback as well from from the you know kind of farther ends of animal agriculture as well. And I think if we could kind of just to me, I feel like if we could all kind of understand that, and and Anybody that's in animal agriculture, you guys view your... You, you view what you're doing as a beautiful thing and something that's, I assume, <laughs> um, I assume that you're viewing what you're doing as making the world a better place. You see yourselves as feeding the world and a growing world that's that's becoming a bigger and a bigger problem. And so um, you guys view yourselves as, as making the world a better place and activists even, even when you're talking about an activist, not just a vegan, they see themselves also as making the world a better, better place and encouraging, um, it, you know, a kinder world for animals. And so to them, um, I, I guess to me, both sides are, are a little bit valid. And if we could kind of calm down and stop focusing on each other. And I admit Catherine, there is, there is an attack. I did end up having to send a, a, an apology <laughs> to, um, to Catherine specifically because she was my Facebook friend. But I send an apology because I felt I felt really honestly very sad after listening to your podcast about counter glow the project counter Mm glow um just because i'm watching um something that to me i feel like well i mean there's beautiful parts of this but now what we're doing is we're attacking people and that is not that's not a great thing that's awful and i i hate that you guys have to feel scared for your farms and and frustrated and and that increases the frustration between ranchers and vegans and ultimately I want to look at a vegan activist and say, honestly, if you're trying to change the world into a, a more of a vegan world, then what you need to do is be encouraging and loving and talk to people instead of uh, calcifying. But, you know, that's, <laughs> that's made my frustrations with that movement. But and I am an activist, but not not an extreme activist, if you will. I do go out and talk to people and show um, footage and talk to people about just so you guys know I do do that. I go out and talk to people and kind of encourage them to think about, you know, their moral code and where it stands and if that would maybe align with veganism.
1: So my question um, is, I'm impressed that you've listened to our podcast just because of the stance you've taken. But can wh- why do you continue to listen to our podcast and engage? Because it's really encouraging to us to have these conversations, to see the differing viewpoints. Um, but a lot of times when we see a differing opinion, we shut that off and say, I'm not going to listen to it. I'm moving on. But you continue to engage and you continue to listen and it might not be every episode, but you continue to, to listen and engage. Why do you continue to do that?
2: Um, honestly, for me, I, I have a lot of interest in education and I want what I'm telling people or um or even just the information for myself, I want it to be, you know, true information. And you know, I I'm gonna admit that I think sometimes there's things are are uh, blown up in a funny way, um, a little bit on both sides. So I feel like if you really get both sides of an issue, maybe you eventually find, you know, some some of the truth in there. I actually had to talk to my old. <laughs> ag teacher, he called me to (laughs) ask me about why I would have switched all the way over to veganism. And, um, you know, I actually asked him about some of the things that bothered me probably the most in animal agriculture that I couldn't decide if, um, if were truth or not. And, and so I think I just listened because I like to, I don't know, I like to hear the other side and I like to Kind of understand. I think it gives me a little bit of more understanding of um, people that are involved in animal agriculture, and uh, it it calms down um, any kind of hate an activist could feel for for anyone involved in animal agriculture. So I can feel like I really enjoy you guys because I not that I understand you completely, but I feel like you know my, I have a greater understanding than I would have without listening to your podcast. <laughs>
0: Well, and I think too, Emily, I mean you you have experienced production agriculture and, and you said you thought maybe one day you were gonna own a dairy. So you've you've experienced it, you've you've been immersed in it and you've thought about it pretty seriously and then you made this switch. And I mean to to go to from one I mean, from from one style of eating to another, that's pretty dis you know, disparate. Um I think you might very well be the most informed, well-informed vegan out there and the kindest one that I've ever encountered. And (laughs) vegan is starting to sound like, you know, like a, like a nasty term here. Um, (laughs) But I, I mean, it, it just sounds like you've really considered all sides of things and you can't find it in your, in your heart to hate people just based on, on one facet of their being. And I think, I think if, if everybody on, on both sides of this issue thought like you or had a more open mind, we could have a lot more conversations like this and probably find a lot more common ground. And I mean, it's, it, it's hard to watch. It's hard to be a part of. Um, and I have certainly done and said things about veganism in the past that would be considered on the extreme end and on, you know, on the end that isn't kind, um, and you know, received received the same in kind. But you're just you're proving to us right now that it doesn't have to be that way. And I this is really cool. <laughs> well,
1: and I think it goes back to like all our conversations within agriculture too, of the civil wars we're experiencing and all the all the pressures we're feeling from everything. And we put walls up and we don't have these hard conversations, whether it's racism, mental health, veganism, animal act. activists that are, we feel like are attacking, a lot of times agriculture puts up these walls and won't have these conversations. And that's where um, misrepresentation and misinterpretation of specific issues happens. Um, And I'm, I'm just grateful to have you here, Emily. And I really, you were talking about asking your ag teacher some questions you had about production
2: agriculture. Would you be willing to share some of those questions with us? Um yeah yeah so probably the biggest one that i was unaware of that was really surprising to me was um the maceration of male chicks of like the day old male chicks and i think i think that one was one where i was like oh i didn't i i'd kind of been involved in agriculture as a kid and i'd never really even heard of that but logically i mean it kind of makes sense and i understand why it has to be there for for um production to work, but I had to ask him if that, you know, if that was kind of a thing, if they they were gassed or or macerated. <laughs> that was probably the the big one. And then kind of as a follow-up, I um I was honestly wondering what happened to because I work I mean I worked with Catherine on showing dairy cows and I had never really considered what happened to the male dairy cows. <laughs> 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 and um so uh, kind of those kinds of things. I think I, I had to ask him about the, the ages of animals that were sent to slaughter because I was a little bit surprised. Um, I had read something that said six to 12 weeks for a chicken. I don't, I mean, chicken from the store, that's what they had said. Um, mm-hmm. And that, I think that was the one I didn't get to, but six months-ish for a pig and a lamb. And those were a little bit surprising to me. I think I didn't realize so young. So I wanted to get it from an animal agriculture perspective because every time I looked at stuff online, I was finding answers, but generally it was a <laughs> vegan site that I was finding the answers from. So I felt like, I, I, don't, I don't know. So uh, if any of that is false, I, I'm happy to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: just impressed, though, that you went to the source or you went to somebody in agriculture you trusted to get those answers. Because a lot of times, yeah, we go to our bias sites, we go to our same group that believes all the same thing. And, yeah, we're all going to agree on the same thing. But to be able to question what they're believing, I think, is pretty impressive. And to go to the source, I think, is something we can all... We can all learn from.
0: I agree, and regardless of of which side of this you come down on, um, I think your approach, Emily, is is very, again, very wise and, and very practical and and very unusual. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, um. as much as
2: I'd like to be the unusual one, I'll I'll warn you: there are actually some really good and really. Um, Really, quite similar to me. they're sometimes harder to find, but there's quite a lot of activists you know that are that feel like me where they're like, you know i don't <laughs> I don't hate people, I don't hate meat eaters, I don't hate meat producers um but <laughs> you know I do believe this way and it you know they don't it's kind of scary to come and talk to somebody in production agriculture sometimes because it's hard to know kind of like for you to come to approach an activist it's really hard to know whether this is going to be a really good experience or if my guts are about to be smeared on the wall so
0: I'm happy to
2: have a really good conversation with you guys
0: <laughs> well, We are too, and I, I, I think that comes back to your comment before about sort of colliding interests or colliding industries. Um, and, and to me, it sounds like, you know, you, you, you obviously don't want to harm anybody. And, and honestly, it doesn't sound like you want us out of business. Um, and you're saying that there's people who also think like you. And so, I mean, here we are having this conversation. How can we find this common ground on a higher or, or more extensive level between our two sides, for lack of a better word? Do you think that's possible? I know that's a big question.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a really, that's a really big question. Um, well, I think it's a little bit hard because ultimately, you know, your goal is that you do want to continue doing what you're doing. You want to continue your business. It's your legacy, right? And so it's something that you guys love and enjoy. You're there because you enjoy it. And, um, you know, for a vegan, they're they're looking at ultimately what they want. Um, from you, if you're if you're getting all the way down to the bottom of it, is they kind of want shifts and changes. So I think that part of things, um, I don't know how much common ground <laughs> there really is there, but I think there's something to be said for being able to sit down and try and understand somebody else's point of view, because then I think you're closer to getting the full perspective. Because An animal activist may think that you guys, you know, sometimes you'll see footage of somebody like slamming a pig down on the ground. And so when they hear that you're in production agriculture, I think there's times when, you know, that's in their head. They're like, oh, we say you're one of those people that like slams pigs all over the place. When ultimately that's not who you are and not even really a massive part of your industry. That's more of a bad apple in your bag, right? So I, I I, that's a hard. I mean, that's a hard question for me to answer. I think from the very bottom of it, I think ultimately we both want a better world, and you find then that's going to be look different for a vegan and somebody involved in animal agriculture. But I think that the willingness to sit down and have a really good conversation, I think, increases like for everybody. It increases their ability to kind of understand each other and maybe do kind of natural shifting towards each other. So instead of trying to completely put you out of business, try and make things better or try and, um, or, you know, or possibly, you know, you guys just coming, coming closer that direction to either way,
1: you know, <laughs> well, and I think it kind of goes back to something Shannon said in our racism, uh, episode. And I know this isn't racism, but it is differing perspectives. Um, it's really hard to hate somebody, you know, and have that connection with. And so I think having those conversations makes it so I don't hate vegans now because I've been able to have this conversation with you, Emily, and you don't hate animal agriculturalists um, because you're able to have this, this dialogue. And I think that's very, very important. Um, one question I have is how does animal agriculture be more approachable? Because you said it's kind of scary <laughs> sometimes to approach animal agriculture with your questions because you're afraid of the big tough guys that we present
2: ourselves with um, on the forefront. Um, you know, ultimately, I, and this one's, this one's a hard one to even really say because I understand how it would be contrary to your industry. Uh, to kind of do so, but I think one of the things that could make, will kind of come together the best is, is first of all, you know, being willing to be, not attacking on both sides, especially, but you know, not attacking each other. I've had you know experiences just like Catherine has, where you know you've been pretty well bashed <laughs> on one side. And I think that makes it more scary to involve again because you're like, that was not fun the first time. <laughs> um, but I also think, I also think another thing is is just you guys willing to be um, kind of transparent. And I know that that's hard because the ultimate purpose is that you're trying to help people, um, you know, be involved or, or you know, drink milk and and you know eat your product consume your products and so it's really hard to be transparent about the hardest parts but if you put the if you put out videos instead of an animal activist puts out videos because an animal activist is going to put out the worst thing they saw today at your dairy or your your uh, cattle ranch and a a but a, a rancher if you were willing to put out kind of a comprehensive view of what it actually really looks like because you truly believe that this is great and this is a good industry and it's an industry that you love so if you can kind of show what that looks on a whole um, I think that makes it a little a little bit easier because nobody's you know sneaking onto your dairy to get to get footage or, or they shouldn't be but, um, you, you know, I mean, like, I, I don't know, I just feel like a little bit more transparency, kind of all the way through, um, so that we're less attacking of, you know, individuals, and we feel less surprised, you know, by an industry that fed us kind of our whole lives. I hope that's not offensive to you. It's just it's it was surprising to learn some things for me. And so I sometimes I wish I could have seen a bit more like just some transparency in some spots so that I felt like I could make kind of an informed choice about what was on my plate.
0: It's it's really interesting you say that. It's not offensive at all. Um it, it's good to hear that perspective. Um because in agriculture, you know, we've got our, our checkoff organizations and our, our industry organizations who are all doing their best to promote our product and, you know, tell our positive stories and all of that sort of stuff. And, and, you know, you would have thought we would have had some kind of success at that. But it sounds like from listening to you that there really hasn't been. And um, I mean, Vallee and I get fed up with the whole tell your storyline all the time that we hear from those organizations because it doesn't seem like it's working. Um, you know, it seems like things are are going um, you know, more you know, just sideways instead of instead of things improving for Animal Ag. And, you know, maybe maybe a large part of that is, you know, the constant access that we have to bad information and and and, sen- and sensational information on the internet. But um hearing you ask for more transparency it's thought provoking. I'm, I'm wondering how would that, um, how would that look in marketing for you? Like if you were in the grocery store, what, what would transparency for, for products look like for you? If what what are you looking for?
2: Oh, <laughs> um, I think it's harder to do it from a, from, from the actual market itself. Um, just because, and again, you guys are running a business, so you know, you're not gonna like write like this this pig was killed at six months old, his name was I mean you're not gonna do that because then people are like, What? Freddie's in there, I'm not gonna eat Freddie. So I understand I understand why that would be completely unrealistic. Um, but I mean some of the things that we do to kind of make ourselves feel better, things like, you know, that the happy chicken farm or something, sometimes I'm like, this I I mean they're like they're they're killed pretty young. I, I, it's hard for me to believe that's a happy chicken farm, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I didn't experience that farm. But just um, honestly, I think mainly more videos is really my thing. More like just um, or just, you know, when I was looking up this information, like I said, I, I, it was easy to find it from PETA, <laughs> which I know you guys are a huge fan of. <laughs> believe it or not, I may not be a huge fan of them myself but i won't admit to that <laughs> um so i could find stuff from from peta or you know the humane society or you know some different some different kind of more vegan leaning places mm-hmm. but it was really kind of hard to find it you know from an animal agriculture perspective. <laughs> Anyways, so
0: it sounds like it's really not about marketing or what you see in the grocery store. It's more of like the direct contact in, and I'm thinking what you see on Facebook and and, you know, the information that may or may not be out there from our industry, which it sounds like sort of isn't, which is interesting because there's plenty of fun fact facts and here's blah, 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 you know, that we have access to in our industry. But apparently it's not it's not maybe very um, customer consumer facing. So that's, well, and
2: it—I it, mean, it could also be because you know I'm—I've—I've I've been, you know, on kind of a vegan bandwagon for the last, you know, five almost five years, and so as much as you know, sometimes I'll click on those things because I'm interested in what's being said. Um, You know you you could have more information out there and part of it is just because you know animal activists are like oh that's a eh, that's a a meat industry thing I'm not going to touch that you know but it could I don't (laughs) I mean it could very much be out there more than I'm realizing I just I I I just found it harder to find and growing up in animal agriculture a little bit and being from all these podunky towns and I even worked (laughs) on a ranch for a while I still didn't know a ridiculous amount of things which could just be my own doing but
1: <laughs> I think agriculture is really good at sugarcoating things too and painting the pretty picture with the red barn and the silo with the cow that goes out to grass every day we're really good at painting that picture on the front of hor- horizon organic milk like that's the picture we paint of production animal agriculture and I think what we need to start doing is t- telling our vulnerable stories of the the calf i had to pull at midnight and the calf jack that broke and it was an ugly sight <laughs> but i did it because i cared about my cow i cared about that heifer i cared about that calf um but those stories when you're exhausted aren't the ones i want to put on social media or take videos of but those are the videos that might resonate more with consumers sometimes on our authenticity and our vulnerability than than this pretty red barn That everything's hunky-dory until you open the doors and see what's actually going on inside.
2: Yeah it's just uh, it's more of a kind of a full picture and honestly I think some of that might kind of help and I don't I can't say that I know for sure because to some extent um i understand so anger is usually just a cover for somebody's pain or their fear and so when you're seeing a whole bunch of angry animal activists part of that is because they're just they're really sad for the the experiences that they're seeing um of the animals and it's it's a painful thing for them and so that's generally why they're you know generally speaking why they're up in arms and and kind of angry about things um but i think I think ultimately it's it's helpful to kind of have that full picture because then you don't feel, then like kind of your whole life, you grow up kind of understanding a lot of that stuff and deciding kind of what you think about it and what and what you want to do with your, you know, with that in mind. I had one time not that long ago that um, it was actually, I actually got there from an, uh, an animal activist friend that I had um, and I noticed that Catherine was also friends with her on Facebook. It was a, uh, I think it was dairy, dairy, Carrie, something mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that. Yep. And she was doing a fundraiser and she was trying to kind of appease vegans with that, <laughs> with that fundraiser. Um, and I think that was one of the times where I got a little bit sad because I felt like, okay, this is somebody that's trying to reach out, um, and trying to, include i guess the vegan community in the world and that was not well received by vegans so when i i mean i'm talking to I'm, I'm like explaining what i think would be cool for you guys to do just because you know i'm i'm on with the animal you know animal agriculture but it doesn't mean that i don't think that there is some significant movement from the vegan side that could also <laughs> use some improving <clears throat> but well to go way back
0: to one of your first points there i think um you know depending on who you follow and what kind of echo chamber you get into it's very easy on social media right you like you like these 15 pages and they're all essentially the same thing whether it's animal ag or it's animal activism or it's loving freaking bumblebees (laughs) you know (laughs) um and then you know the algorithms are made so that that's what you see because um you know the social media people know that that's what makes you happy and you keep coming back to their sites. And so I think that's a very valid point, um, you know, in in trying to expand our horizons or curate our feeds so that we can have a a wider perspective is um, probably a really easy way to start, start widening, widening these conversations, but um, you know, easier said than done. And then, (laughs) and then I'm, you know, your your point about anger being a cover for pain or fear definitely resonates. I would say that in ag, you know, the anger towards vegan acts or activism or issues or whatever is definitely fear, fear of what we could lose, fear for our animals, um, because we don't want them hurt, you know, fear, fear for our families and our legacies and all those sorts of things. And, um, you know, that that definitely comes out too and it it plays out and you can see it and it, you know, it doesn't paint the prettiest picture of us on either side. So um yeah, hearing your perspective on what we could do as an industry to be more open and, and approachable is really helpful. And I'm just going to say this and probably piss somebody off, but a lot more useful than the millions of dollars that have been poured into Chekhov. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, we thank you, Emily, for coming on this week. And um, we appreciate you continuing to follow and continuing to educate yourself to on your, um, on your viewpoints. And we really respect your decision. While we might not agree with it, we do respect your decision and hope you continue to have dialogue with us. And we maybe you will have you back on the next um, Animal Activist hot topic that hits the news at some point just to get your perspective on it as well. So listeners, um, as you can see, um, messaging us, reaching out to us is really beneficial to us and all of you. Um, so you can find us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can al- also email it, email us at talk to us at millennialag.com. until next time we're millennial ag.